If I had a title this morning for the word that God has given for Market Hill today, it would be simply this in verse number 7, five words. Look what it says in verse 7. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man. There is yet one man. Now the Holy Ghost didn't put that into the Word of God just to fill a, a wee verse and to, to fill out another verse or two of Scripture. That's put in there because there was one man. In a dark and a desperate day, there was one man that stood out above all. This man by the name of Micaiah. His name means who is like God. He was certainly one that lived up to his name, who is like God. I wonder this morning, as the God of heaven looks down into the assembly today, I wonder, could he see and could, would, could he say this morning, there is a man in Market Hill Free Presbyterian Church, or there is a woman in Market Hill Free Presbyterian Church. There is yet one. You see, man and woman, We've read this morning of, of Jehoshaphat. He was a man in the previous chapter. If you want to go to Second Chronicles chapter 17. Look what it says in Second Chronicles chapter 17 verse 3. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Verse 4. But he sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. He was one. He was the king of Judah. He was a good king. He was one that walked after God. He was one that knew the blessing of God. He was one that knew the bounty of God. But man and woman, we've learned a lesson well that the best of men are men at best. And the Bible records in Second Chronicles chapter 18 and verse 1, Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. And men and women, can I suggest to you, it was when God had prospered him so much with riches and blessings in abundance, it was then that his heart was set upon such things. Then the Holy Ghost records that he joined affinity with Ahab. What does that mean? Well, if you've got a good marginal Bible, it simply means that he, he went with a relationship by marriage. What it means was, here was a man, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and he gave his son, he gave his son to Ahab's daughter. Can you imagine? Can you imagine Jehoshaphat in Israel? And you see him some morning, and he's looking nice and smart, and he's all dickied up. And you say to Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, where are you going this morning? I'm for a wedding. Who's getting married? My son. Who's he marrying? Ahab's daughter. Jezebel's daughter. Did you ever think you would hear such thing from godly Jehoshaphat? Godly Jehoshaphat that his son marry into Ahab and into Jezebel's family. If you want a little history of Ahab, turn with me, please, to 1 Kings chapter 16. Now, this is my first time preaching in Market Hill, and I don't know the congregation, so I'm going to keep you turning so you don't go to sleep. I don't want you going to sleep on me now. And nobody ever really sleeps in meetings that I preach, so I don't want you to be the first. I don't want to tell Mr. Patterson, they, boys, there's a boy at the back and he's out for the count. Or there's a woman in the front and she's snoring. I don't want to do that. 
Now turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 16, and you'll find out how bad this man Ahab was. And can I say that when Ahab came onto the scene in Israel, Israel was in the darkest day. Israel was in a terrible place. Terrible. And in 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 30, look what it says. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Listen to the phrase that the Holy Ghost was in. Above all that were before him. Above all. Look what it says in verse 33. And Ahab made a growth, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Here's a man... And he's done worse than any man, any king of Israel. He's the worst king. He's done more to provoke God than any other king. And can I tell you, that's the man, that's, that's him. His wife's far worse, Jezebel. With all their powder and all their paint. No wonder W.P. Nicholson called her a great whoremonger. That's what she was. With all their powder and all their paint. And you know what's sad today in the evangelical church? It's not just found out in the world with Jezebel's all powder and paint. It's found in the evangelical church. Can I say, young woman, an older woman, don't you use Jezebel as an example to follow? One that gave herself, and the Bible says in Ezekiel, to powder and to paint. Here was Jezebel, and she's the worst woman in the Old Testament, and she's married King Ahab, and they're a wicked couple. And Jehoshaphat, he comes and he gives his son to marry into such a family. No wonder in Second Chronicles chapter 19 and verse 1, it says in verse 2, And Jehu the son of Haniah the seer went out to meet him, that's, and said to King Jehoshaphat, Look, listen to this text. Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Here's a man and he comes to reprove the king and he says, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and should you love them that hate the Lord? And he's in affinity here. He's in the relationship of this family. And it's so interesting. In a day of carnality, in a day of compromise, and he says, my people, he says to Ahab, my people are your people. And Ahab comes and he wants to take him to Ramoth Gilead. And he wants to take him. And he's got 400 false prophets. And they come and they say, go on up to Ramoth Gilead. Go, go, go. And Jehoshaphat, he had a little bit of sense. And he says, he comes and he says, is there not another one we could seek advice from? Is there not one more? And there's one, and I want to preach a text this morning, there is yet one man, for it says in verse 7, And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord. And look what this ungodly king Ahab says about him, But I hate him. You want to live for Jesus Christ today, in the 21st century? You want to live for the Lord Jesus Christ in County Armagh and Market Hill? You want to stand up for the Bible? You want to stand up for truth? You want to call sin as it is? You want to call sin by the book? You'll be hated. You'll be hated. The Word still hates the Christian. The Word still hates the Bible. Should have tried to ban it and blame it and bury it. But thank God this morning the old book's still alive. And can I tell you, men and women, here was such a man. 
And there's yet one man, and oh, I'm sure, I'm sure when, when old Ahab, when he heard the word saying, we'll go and inquire of Micaiah, oh, not this man, I hate this man, this man doesn't speak good about me. And can I tell you, I love the text, and we finished it in verse 13. And look what happens in verse 12, there's 400 men. Can you believe this woman, there's 400 men, and they all agree. You couldn't get four men in Market Hill to agree. Not four. You couldn't get four men in this congregation to agree. Everybody's different minds, different opinions. And the Bible says in verse number 12, And the messenger that went to call Micaiah spoke to him, saying, Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king. Look what it says in that next wee phrase. With one ascent, that means with one mind, with one mouth. Here's 400 men, and they're all in accordance. They've got one mind, and they've told their king Ahab, let's go to Ramoth Gilead. They're all in unity. 400 men now, 400. And this boy is sent to fetch Micaiah, and he comes to Micaiah, and he says to Micaiah, now you just play along. You just do what you're told. You just come, and now there's 400 against you, Micaiah. There's 400. And you just tool the line. And you just join the crowd. And you just tell the king what they want to hear. What does Micaiah say? Look what he says in verse number 13. And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, even what my God saith, that will I speak. Can I tell you, that's the generation of preachers we need again in this land. That's the generation of preachers Ulster needs again in this land. Even what my God saith, that will I speak. Didn't go down too well with Micaiah. Micaiah said that they would get bit. Micaiah said that Ahab would die. You know what he got? He got a slap in the mouth and he got water and bread and he's put in prison. But he was right. He was right. In a day of carnality, in a day of compromise, there is yet one man. Isn't he different in our day and generation? In a day of compromise, in a day of carnality, is there yet one man in Market Hill, Free Presbyterian Church this morning? In a day when anything goes, is there yet one man? Turn with me, please, to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 41. Will you turn into Genesis? I'm going to give you a little picture of what's going on in Genesis chapter 40. In Genesis chapter 40, at that time, remember the two, the butler and the baker, they had a dream. And obviously, in verse 23 of Genesis chapter 40, it says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. It's very sad words that when Joseph told all to the butler, when the butler got his good news, he didn't remember Joseph. He forgot him. And can I tell you, man and woman, in the spiritual, there's so many of God's people today and we forgot our heavenly Joseph. Our heavenly Joseph. In the book of beginnings, here was a congregation of people and they forgot Joseph. Joseph. Jeremiah, he says in his his prophecy, he comes and he says, Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 32, he says, Can a maid forget her ornaments or her bride or her attire? 
Just pause there. Jeremiah says, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Dear ladies, have you ever been to a wedding? You've seen the woman walk up the aisle with no wedding dress on. A woman's not going to come without a wedding dress. If someone will come with a dress on them and not much clothing on it now, but they'll not forget their wedding dress. And Jeremiah says, Does a bride forget her attire? But then he comes and he says, But, 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 but my people. He comes and he says in Jeremiah 2 and 3, But my people have forgotten me days without number. Days. Here's the landscape in Genesis chapter 40. God's people have forgot their heavenly Joseph. Jesus Christ, you've, Joseph, they forgot Joseph. Jeremiah says that God's people have forgotten days without number. Jesus and his public ministry, his own disciples forsook him and fled. And then that's what's, that's what's going on in Genesis chapter 40. And in Genesis chapter 43 and verse 1, the Bible says, and I've preached this text in a few different places, and the famine was sore in the land. There's a famine going on around Genesis 40 to 43. There's a famine in the land. And can I tell you, men and women, this morning, there's a famine in the land. Now, there's not a famine in County Armagh today. There's plenty of apples growing, I'm sure. And there's plenty in Tesco's and there's plenty in Asda. And you're going home to roast beef and you're going home to plenty this, this afternoon. There's plenty. But that's not the famine I'm speaking about. There's a famine of God in the land. A famine. And Amos spoke about it in his little book over in Amos. He says there's a day coming when there's going to be a famine of hearing the Word of God. And what does a famine bring? It brings death and it brings destruction. You see, God's people, they forgot about Joseph. There's a famine. And what always happens when the people forget God and there's a famine in the land, do you know what it brings to you? It brings folly. Because sin gets out of control. And because you and I are living in a famine in Ulster today, sin is getting out of control. It's getting out of control. But look what it says in Genesis chapter 41, verse 38. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this? Can we find a man? I'll change it. Can we find such a one as this? Can we find a man in whom the Spirit of God is? Can we? In the midst of a famine, in the midst of forgetting God, in the midst of utter folly where sin abounds and sin is getting worse and relentless in our country, can we find such a man in whom the Spirit of God is? You see, men and women, remember John the Baptist, he was in the wilderness, but he was the voice in the wilderness. The problem this afternoon in the evangelical church, we're in the wilderness, but where's the voice? Where's the voice? Many years ago in Ulster, we had men raised of God from, well, out of this denomination, and our denomination, giants in the land. And they raised their voice against sin. They weren't as scared to preach against sin. They lived by that text that Micaiah said, As the Lord saith, that will I speak. They weren't scared. They stood for God in their day and generation in the midst of famine and folly. People forgetting God. There were men whom the Spirit of God was upon. What about us today? 
Is there yet a man? Is there yet a man in Market Hill? Is there yet a woman in Market Hill? In a day of compromise, in a day of carnality, is there yet a man? And in the midst of famine, in the midst of folly, in the midst of forsaking and forgetting God, can we find such a man? Can we? Can we? Turn with me then to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 22, please. Take your time and find Ezekiel chapter 22, and I'll paint a picture of what's going on in Ezekiel's day. Ezekiel chapter 22, what's going on in Ezekiel's day in Ezekiel chapter 22? When you're turning there to 22, I'm going to Ezekiel 10, so you just listen. In Ezekiel chapter 10, it says in verse 10, 18, I read it, you just listen. It says, Then the glory of the Lord departed from off the threshold of the house and stood over the cherubims. You see, in Ezekiel's day in his ministry, he seen the glory of God depart from the tabernacle. He watched it. He seen it go. A man and woman, if, if you read your Bible, you'll understand in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 4 that Eli's son, his wife Phineas, she died giving birth and she called the child Ichabod. And she called him that because it means that the glory has departed. And the reason why the glory has departed and the reason why that she died because that her father-in-law Eli was the high priest and he let sin reign and he didn't deal with sin. Sound familiar? Nothing new under the sun. And you see, Ezekiel, he comes and he watches the glory from the tabernacle. He watches the glory depart. Man and woman, you wouldn't need to be a prophet or the son of the prophet to understand that today the church is just but a laughingstock to the ungodly. They come in Joel's day and they laugh and they mock and they, and they mock in Joel's day about the heritage of the remnant. God's people, they mock and they cry and they say, where is your God? And do you not think the Sodomites and all those today against God that are anti-God and anti-gospel and that are anti-grace, do you not think they're coming and they're saying, where is your God? And you see, man and woman, I was thinking as Ezekiel saw the glory depart from the very temple. I was thinking of a little verse and don't you turn to you keep your hand in Ezekiel chapter 22. But I was thinking of a little verse in Jeremiah 51 and 50. And it says, Let Jerusalem come into your mind. Now, man and woman, Jerusalem often in the Bible speaks of the church. Let Jerusalem come into your mind. Now, I wonder last week, from last Lord's Day to now, how many times has the church come into your mind? How many times? Has the church come into your mind? Because man and woman, Vance Havner was a great preacher from America, and he said the situation is desperate, but the saints aren't. What would he say if he was in this pulpit this morning? The situation is desperate in Ulster, but the saints aren't. Leonard Ravenley came and he says, Man and woman, go to hell fire, because church, the evangelical church has lost Holy Ghost fire 
Men or women are going to hellfire because the church has lost Holy Ghost fire. No wonder Jeremiah the weeping prophet he comes and he says, Let Jerusalem come into your mind. And I was thinking of the two in the Emmaus Road. You remember they made the, their journey eight miles to Emmaus and they're sad and they're despondent. And the Lord Jesus Christ, he comes and he draws near to them and they don't recognize him and he comes and what do they say to him? Art thou a stranger in Jerusalem? Is he a stranger today in his own church? Is he outside the door? He says, Ezekiel saw the glory depart. And then a woman... In Ezekiel 10, he saw the glory, but in Ezekiel 11, in my Bible, it says in verse 23, and the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city. The city. Here was a man, I'll get to Ezekiel 23 now, or 22 now. Here was a man, and he saw the glory depart from the tabernacle. And he went out into the city. And he saw the glory of God Depart from the city. If some of you are older than me, an Ulster used to be a place on the Lord's Day that you knew it was the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day was a different day in Ulster 30, 40, 50 years ago. It was a day that was held. Even the ungodly had fear in the Lord's Day. Now the Christians go home and watch the television. Watch it with no fear. Post it on social media. No shame. I want to tell you, men and women, you think when God looked down in our capital city yesterday that the glory is not departing? Where sin is promoted? Where sin is encouraged? Where sin is accepted? You think the glory isn't departing from Ulster? You think we're not fit for judgment, under judgment? We're under judgment. You think of the sin yesterday. You think of the attack on our families and our children. I want to tell you, men and women, in Ziklag, David, in Ziklag, the Bible says that the enemy came in and they burned Ziklag and they took the ways. And what else did they take? They took the woman, they took the ways and they took the children. Do you know why? Because the enemy has always been after the children. And you don't need me to come here today to tell you what's going on in the schools and what they're trying to pass and what they're trying to do with children. And I want to tell you, men and women, the drug problem in Ulster, along with all the our vices that have risen from the very pit of hell, has come into our country like a flood. And Ezekiel saw it in his day, and he comes and he says, The glory is departed from the city. And then he comes in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 13. He says, I sought for a man among them that they should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy. But I found none. Men and women, in a day where the glory had departed from the, from the tabernacle, in a day where the glory had departed from the city and the enemy was in like the flood and sin was in every hand and sin was getting out of control in Ezekiel's day and God's looking at Ezekiel and God's saying to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, 
I'm looking for a man to stand for the land. I'm looking for one to stand for the land. Ezekiel, is there one man? I'm searching for a man for the land. I want one to stand in the gap. I want one man. And the word comes back to Ezekiel from the God of heaven saying, I sought for a man, but I found none. In a day of carnality, in a day of compromise in Jehoshaphat's day, there is yet a man, Micaiah. In a day in Genesis when there was a forgetfulness of God, there was a famine, there was folly, can we find such a man in whom the Spirit of God is? There was a man by the name of Joseph. But when there was a day when the glory had gone from the city, the glory had gone from the, from the, from the very temple, God says, I searched for a man and there was none. Turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah, I believe it's Isaiah chapter 59, please. Isaiah chapter 59. Look at Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah 59 and verse 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Isn't that encouraging? Very encouraging, that. You're in the crusp of a gospel campaign in two weeks' time. You're maybe saying, oh, I have some in my family and they'll never come. I preached in a mission this year in a Protestant hall in, a, in Castle Dawson, me and another gentleman, and we asked God for big things, and God brought between 40 to 50 unsaved out over two weeks in a gospel campaign. All types of sinners. We stood back and we watched God move. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened and it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. That's the encouraging but, but the discouraging bit is in verse 2, but, but, but. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Can I tell you something, dear people, this morning? It'll not be the sodomite agenda that will keep God back. It'll not be all the drugs that's in the land. It'll not be all the sexual immorality. It'll not be all the vices that have come out of the very crate of hell this day that is coming into the land with such an overflow. It's us that's keeping it back. It's us. Old Willie Mullen used to say, If my people which are called by my name he says if God could get his own army back, broken and bent, and just a desire to see God move, and a view to live for Jesus Christ, God could do wonders again in the land, so he could. But Isaiah comes, and we've read verse 1 and 2, look what it says in verse 14. And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off, for truth has fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter, yea, truth faileth. And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it. And it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man. And wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him. And his righteousness had sustained him. Judgments turned away. 
justice standeth afar off. Truth has fallen in the street. I'm not saying the Gurdy. Truth fallen in the street. Judgment standeth afar off. Justice turned away. I'm not saying like the day that you and I are living in. The very day that God Almighty would so determine that we would come to the kingdom at such a time as this. That's our day. Judgment, now doesn't matter. Truth doesn't matter. Justice doesn't matter. And yet God was looking for one man. Just a man. Just a man. And the Holy Ghost records in verse 16, and he saw that there was no man. No man. Very interesting, I was thinking when I was preparing for this meeting, judgment is turned away backward and justice standeth afar off. I was thinking what took place there. We'll go very quickly to Numbers chapter 25. Turn please to Numbers chapter 25. Look what it says in Numbers chapter 25. And it says in verse 1, Numbers chapter 25, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. Now you're well aware with Moab, it was flesh, it was very full of sin. What took place in the book of Genesis about Moab. And look what it says in verse 3, And Israel joined himself unto Baal poor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Look what it says, verse 6, And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses, and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel, who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle, the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. When I was asked by Mr. Patterson to preach here, that message here was in my heart. But God so redirected me to preaching, there is yet a man. You'll see me be white tonight. Well, I believe God has done that. But that message here was burning my heart. Here was the children of Israel, and they're marrying into a heathen woman. And they're weeping at the very porch. And then another man, he comes in with, he's so brazen, he comes in with the Midianite woman. And Eleazar sees it, and he takes a javelin, and he kills the man and woman. And he kills sin. And he deals with sin. You imagine, <laughs> you imagine if Phinehas was in the local evangelical church and he'd done something like that. Phinehas, you're a madman. Phinehas, you're too extreme. Phinehas, now you need to know your place. We'll have a wee committee meeting about it. We'll have a wee session meeting. We'll take it to Presbyterian. We'll need it. We'll take it out of your hands, Phinehas. You know what God says about Phinehas? Look what it says in verse 11. Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, have turned away my wrath away from the children of Israel while he was zealous for my sake among them that I consume not the children of Israel and my jealousy. 
Look at verse 13, the last phrase. Because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. I want to tell you, here was a man that God credited for, for, for his actions. He didn't want sin to reign. He comes and he deals with sin. He kills sin with that javelin. And he comes and God says, He's zealous for my good. He's zealous for my glory. He's zealous. I remember hearing a story of a mission taking place many, many years ago in a Baptist church. William Owen was the evangelist. Mullen preached for two nights. And after the second night, he felt there was something wrong. And he brought the elders and the minister together and he says, there's something wrong. I've preached for two nights and there's nobody saved. Now, did you get that? Two nights and Mullen realized there's something wrong. Nobody's getting saved. And he brought the minister and he brought the elders and he says, I'm sitting here till it's sorted and if it's not sorted tonight, you can finish the mission yourself. Now, it takes a big man to do that. And they sat for about half an hour and nobody spoke. And then he says, a wee bald-headed man in the back. Now, if you're bald at the back, I'm bald at the front, so don't panic. And this wee bald-headed man at the back, he says, it's me, Pastor Mullen, it's me. And the boy at the front, he says, no, it's me, it's me. And what had happened was that the boy at the back had bought a bit of ground off the boy at the front and they'd fell out for years over the ground and the money of it. And they hadn't spoke. And sin had come into the assembly. And Mullen says that night, them two men, there was reconciliation made between them men. He said that next night there was eight souls saved. And he said it was one of the best missions that he ever took part upon. Part in. Why? Because sin had to be dealt with. Then he asked when he seen this one man and woman coming in, he put the javelin in and God credited for him. It's a good job he did because I can tell you it says in Psalm 106 and verse 30, then stood up, then he has, he stood up and executed judgment and so the plague was stayed and that was counted unto him for all righteousness, unto all generations forevermore. It was done so we might learn by it. And God gave him a great recommendation because of what he had done. Why? Because the Bible says in Isaiah, justice standeth afar off. Justice, don't do anything about it. Just let it sit. Should it run its course? You see, men and women, we've heard the instruction of the word this morning. There's yet a man. In a day of carnality, in a day of compromise, there was a man by the name of Micaiah. In a day of in Genesis, when people had forgot God, and there was famine, and there was folly, there was a man filled with the Spirit of God and Joseph. In a day when there was no glory in the in the tabernacle, no glory in the city. God sought for a man, but there was no man. And then in the day when there was no justice and truth had fallen in the street, God says there was no man. No man. And then I was thinking, what about the invitation? You've heard the instruction. What about the invitation? The invitation is in Revelation chapter 3 and 20, and I read it to you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if any man. Behold, I stand and knock at the door, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him, and he with me. 
want to tell you as God looks down in the very closing moments of this meeting this afternoon in Market Hill Free Presbyterian Church, you've heard the instruction of the word about men. God's looking for men. And God comes to you today, now, just right now, where you're sitting, sir, and he's coming and he's giving you the invitation of any man. Oh, come in and sup with me. Come in. Come in. Come in on a day of famine. Come in on a day when the glory's departed. Come in when there's a, there's a dark and desperate day. Come in, any man, any man. I want to tell you, men and women, W.P. Nicholson and Charles Wesley and David Livingstone and all the giants that went before us, they hadn't got a bigger Bible than me and you. They hadn't got more of, they hadn't got any greater invitation to come to the throne of God than me and you. They hadn't got any more cassettes or CDs and tips and Bibles than me and you. It's just they wanted God more. God comes to you and he says, There is yet a man and he comes, if any man, if any woman. You see, you've heard the instruction, you've heard the invitation. What about the consideration? Remember Christ before Pilate and the motivation. Remember Christ before Pilate, he comes and he says, Behold the man. Behold the man. You see, dear people this morning, those who are saved and Washed in the blood of the Lamb, we sang that first hymn, O love divine, what hast thou done? The immortal God have died for me. Can I say that should be your motivation to stand for God in this day and this generation? Behold the man, Pilate said, that's your motivation. The immortal God have died for me. Didn't we sing it in our offering him, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood. I want to tell you so much that Jesus loved you, sir, so much that he died and shed his blood at the place called Calvary. And no wonder Wesley penned it can. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? That's your motivation today. That you should go out and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, it was said to Lot. And that day of destruction, when he was told to flee to the mountain, he was told to get to the mountain. But before that, he comes and it was said, Hast thou any here besides? And you're in the brink of a mission. Hast thou any here besides? Hast thou any family not saved? Of course you have. We all have. And your motivation is the man on the middle tree. Behold the man. To go out and to live for the, the Lamb of God. To go out and to live and to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's your motivation. Is there yet a man? There is yet a man. And thank God, God is still well able to bury his Moses and raise up his Joshua's. And that's what we need again in the land. For Isaiah 66 and verse 2 says, To this man will I look, not to a church or denomination. He comes and he says, To this man will I look, one that is of poor and of a contrite heart, one that trembleth at my word. That's the man God's looking for. Will you, will I, be such a man? I trust, or woman, I trust that we will. Let's bow in a word of prayer, please. Our gracious God and loving Father, this afternoon we come again into thy immediate presence. We thank thee for the work and the person of thy Son, Jesus Christ. 
We thank thee, Lord, no wonder Pilate could say, Behold the man, what a man. What a man. And Lord, we owe everything we are and everything that we have, we owe it all to the man of Calvary, that wonderful man of Calvary. And Lord, help us, Lord, with... We've heard the instruction of the word today in a day of great compromise and carnality in a day of the famine in the land and such a folly of sin and a forgetting of God and the glories departed in the city and in the evangelical church, Lord. And truth has fallen the street and justice standeth afar off in such a day, Father. Oh, you're looking for men and you're looking for women. Lord, write this word in our hearts that we will not sin against God and grieve God, but give to us the ability, the help, the grace to be such men and women. Lord, drive back the forces of hell. Drive back, Lord, the monopoly of the powers of darkness against us. And come, Lord, and really revive us and bless us, Lord. Bless our people today. Bless us all, Father, as we go home and give us a blessed Lord's day. Bring us again, Lord, to the house of God here. And Lord, bring in the unsaved. And Lord, thank you for giving us a word, Father, tonight to preach to those that are dead in sin. Oh, give us a blessed time. Answer prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.